Hello, everybody. This is Bobby Cool, Daddy Slick Breeze. Welcome to this episode of the Disc Golf Answer Man. <laughs> I just finished watching Ted Lasso, so this fits. Like, I'm I, I the first season. No, so, no. <clears throat> if you watch Ted Lasso, nobody in the show talks like that. Um, Higgins you you haven't does. heard Higgins no, does. you haven't heard anything in the show that sounded remotely like that. Higgins, come on, no, not close, not close. Why, not close. why all of a sudden I, I did that? But I just did that. So uh, let's uh, reload okay. it and it wouldn't be a disc golf answer man show if Bobby didn't uh, frustrate me in one way or another <laughs> over something trivial for sure. <laughs> all right, here we go. Welcome to this episode of the Disc Golf Answer Man. I am Bobby Cool, Daddy Slick Breeze, and I have with me my amazing co-hosts, Robert McCall and Eric Oakley. How are you gentlemen doing this evening? Yo, yo. Doing good. Chilling. I'm great. Nice. Nice. Super glad to be here. Want to give a quick shout out to DoorDisc.com for sponsoring this episode. Guys, I have everything you need as far as disc bags, baskets, and disc golf accessories. Check them out at DoorDisc.com. Shane is doing some amazing things, building a disc golf community out there in Wisconsin. Make sure you shop them and use the code DGAM to get free shipping on your next order. Also to Well Sacks. Thank you, Tina and Eric. They sent me some DGAM Well Sacks that are available at DiscGolfAnswerMan.com. And anytime you want looking to keep your hands dry while you're out there, I've got a few episodes. I've been thinking out loud, thinking about some commercials. I'm working on that one commercial we're doing. Me and Eric filmed the commercial. But uh, anyway, I digress. Go to wellsacks.com to pick yourself up some well sacks and Eric Oakley, a Zach Melton, some nice kitty cat ones. Or if you're looking for a Disc Golf Answerman one, check it out at DiscGolfAnswerMan.com. Use coupon code Killer Whale Oakley if you want to support me. Plug. Boom. Sickle <laughs> plug plug. <laughs> All right, so we, me, and Eric are back from the beach bash. So, of course, we talked about the beach bash a little bit last time, right? Because we were done with it. But I just feel like I, I feel like I was gone for like a month being while I was in Florida. We had so much fun at the beach bash. We had so much fun. I stayed with Eric and Tina for a couple of days. Worked on some videos, worked on some other stuff, had some meetings about whale sacks, went back to Tyler Searle's house, stayed at his house, went to the the uh, Majette Monster Mash in Panama City, Florida. I got to give a big shout out to Brent and uh, gosh, I'm gonna, he's going to be so mad I forgot his name because they actually listened to the show. But thank you so much to you guys for taking care of me and Tyler while we're out there at the Monster Mash a B tier that was like well put together. The course looked amazing. Maddie O was out there tearing up the course, had a great time talking with Maddie O. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just a great time. Had a great time out there meeting people. Um, the weather didn't cooperate quite so much on Friday, but Saturday it was really nice. And I got to film the rounds. Me and uh, Dustin was working for uh uh, what's the dude's name? Terry Miller. Terry Miller, the disc golf guy working with him. So you're going to see that uh, both rounds end up on the disc golf guys YouTube channel. And I d- got to do some catch cam filming. Boy, a couple. I have to apologize right now because I saw one buzz the tower. Buzz me. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, I was trying to get the best shots for the viewers, and I literally, I had to like do a like a, like a, a dance move to get out of the way of the disc, but it never hit me. I was a true professional. So anyway, you can check that out on the Disc Golf Guy channel. Um, but one thing I'm super excited about. Oh, we oh oh well, we talked about last time. But one thing I'm super excited about is I'm helping Tyler as I was visiting with Tyler driving back and forth to Panama City is that we want to build this disc golf vacation thing. This is the second time Tyler's put this together. And I want to build this to be something bigger where we have a large group of disc golfers come out where we have clinics, we have a disc golf round, we do a live disc golf answer man show where we ask the audience questions. Maybe we can talk Robert and Shay to coming out and we can do a, a uh, show out there or something like that. Yeah, I think I mean, yeah. I think it'd be fantastic. So right now I'm trying to build it and Robert's going to grab a link and he's going to put a link out on the YouTube channel if you're watching um, to yeah. fill out a survey so we can get a little bit more information about what you would find as a fun disc golf vacation. And actually, if you're listening, I'm going to put it in the uh, show notes, the link to the Google form, fill that out so we can get some information. And then in the next month or so, we're going to start pushing out more information on uh, the next disc golf vacation. I can just uh, I can just spell it out in the podcast and Would people you? can just type it in. Yeah, go for yeah, it. Yeah, is that okay? Yeah. Okay, it's forms.gle dash two nine. I'm not gonna. I'm just <laughs> lowercase. Very many. <laughs> H as in H hot. T as in Tyler. T as in Tyler. <laughs> Thanks no, for joining us for that, the disc golf answer. Right? That, that, remi that reminds me of uh, uh, Brian Regan, where he said, where you get a code from your a confirmation. Oh, yes. code. L yeah. one lowercase I or something like that. All, right, all the same yeah. looking letters. So anyway, that's <laughs> oh, so funny. All right. So anyway, Brian so we Regan got that. This reminds me of the hook it on a Pafana Yeah. Hook it on the Pafana Work it for me. Work it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, so back, space, so uh, back to the it's show, back to the show. All right. Let's get to some questions though. So we can actually get to the meat of the show. Um, let's see. The, Wait, we weren't in the meat. We weren't we're in the, the meat. Bread? Is this not the meat? Okay. So this will first one we're going to take care of. This is kind of a, uh, maybe a public information uh, or, or, or helpful information. Uh, so Daniel says, I won this year's DeGam Fantasy League overall. I sent an email to Bobby at DynamicDisc.com and haven't gotten a reply. I also won in 2019 and never got a reply. If I'm eligible for any prizes, let me know. Um, Daniel, unfortunately, because of the way things happen, I have no control over that anymore. Um, disc Golf Answerman is no longer undynamic, under Dynamic Discs. I no longer have access to Bobby at DynamicDisc.com. So unfortunately, I can't help you. Uh, you might try to reach out to Anthony at Dynamic Discs and ask him if he could take care of you um, as far as the fantasy disc golf. I don't know if we'll do a disc golf answer fantasy. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of a fun thing. I guess we could have some fun with with picking. <laughs> oh, no, Robert says no. Y'all can. <laughs> okay, no. okay, <laughs> enjoy. Okay, maybe we won't do that. So um, every time every time we do it, like we try our best and then just look like it. <laughs> idiots <laughs> and like that's because that's just how that's how fantasy disc golf is right but uh yeah every, every time we're like we get ready for the show and we're about to start and we're like hey did anyone do fantasy disc golf and they're we're like no no and so <laughs> y'all can do it and really enjoy yourselves right and we will support let's, you in uh, let's be real like the fact that i even showed up to this on time is is uh is, 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 let's call it a partial miracle yes yeah so so 
doing fantasy every week, but not happen. Be a fantasy eh, not good. Itself. Not good. All right. So I posted on the Disc Golf Answer Man Facebook group. Uh, ask if anybody had any specific questions for tonight's episode. And so if you want to join that, make sure you check it out. Find Disc Golf Answer Man podcast on Facebook. Join the group. Follow the page as well, because if you if you want to, you can actually subscribe to the podcast and listen on Facebook. Um, that's kind of a new feature oh, no. they've been pushing out. So um, Jason Atterbury wants to know, how do you choose a weight on your disc? Well, if it says 173, I'm out. Yeah, I only do 172 or 74. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know why, but actually most of most mango or old run enforcers are in the 173 class. So I've gotten over that a little bit, but um, I don't really think about weight too much. Uh, just kind of depends on the disc that I'm throwing. If it's a fairway driver or something that I might be throwing more with control, I won't really worry too much about the weight, but if it's a disc like in the overstable slots or distance driver slot, maybe not in the distance driver slot because I've actually teetered with some like 171, 170 class discs in the high speed. But if I want overstable, I want heavy because I want it to be less affected by the wind. And I want, that's what I want from that disc. So I'm generally looking for the heavier weight <laughs> of this overstable disc. So I get that out of it. That's, that's me personally. And Putters generally, I want heavier, but I've actually putted. I just mentioned before, uh, I think before we started recording, that uh, I've been putting 171 uh, Fates and I've really liked them. And I don't know if I've re really noticed the difference. So I think Terry picked them up and he said, Wow, these are heavy. Or he said, Wow, these are light. I don't rec recall, but um, they're working. So that's, a, that's a weight that I'm okay with. Did you tell him that he's weak? Yeah. If he picked them up, he was like, Oh my goodness, these are heavy. <laughs> You're so I mean, weak, Terry. Here's the one thing about Terry Miller, though, that every disc in his bag is like older than most. 100%. Is like all exactly old, that. Old Ontario rocks. Classes. That's yeah, exactly yeah. what it is. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm the same. If it's a wind fighter, I want it to be heavy. Uh, if it's not, I don't mind it being lighter, especially if it's like a max distance driver. I'll. I'll go down to 168, 169 if I need to. I prefer it to be a little heavier than that, but if I'm really trying to let loose on it, mm -hmm. great. No problem. It just needs to feel good. Like, I don't think it's about yes. the weight as much. Mm -hmm. and, and, and when you're at our, our level of throwing, it's not about weight as much. Ew, yeah. our, when you're at a, our level. I, I, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but if you're starting out, <laughs> if you're starting out, I, weight can be a really important factor. And yeah. I don't, and I think you should try and find lighter weight discs. And honestly, if you're talking high speed discs, you shouldn't be throwing those if you're just starting out anyways. So that's another right. factor. But another whole but the, Speaking that's a of super good point. Yeah, just something that's overlooked. I was just going to say like, for, for me, if it's a, if I'm comparing a 175 and a 172, I, yeah, I don't care about those, uh, the, the difference in weight as much as I care about it. If one feels better, if it's mm -hmm. like, if it's a distance driver and it's domey and it has a pop top, I'm taking that one every single time. Wow. Yeah. Speaking of weight tomorrow is the first day I go back to the gym after not going to the gym for two weeks. There you just, go. Just saying. Just we went saying. to the gym. What are you talking about? Oh, that's about? right. We did go to the gym the one time that felt so yeah. good to go to the gym, but like but I'm getting back to the routine. So. Yeah, um, dude, good for you. I don't want anybody. Saying, pick, I don't want anybody to pick me up and go, "Wow, that's heavy." <laughs> <laughs> Does that happen often? When someone just comes and picks you up. Wow, 
Hmm, no, That's actually, heavy. okay, maybe not. Fair enough. Fair no, enough. No, I'm, I'm with you. I've been sticking on the running. This last week was a, a weird week at work, so I didn't run much. But I did play a pickleball tournament this weekend, uh, and today uh, we got second. Um, almost, almost won. The team was the team was good and tall, and we'd have had to play really well to beat them. Um, but I woke up today feeling very sore yeah. like and yeah. because because i had not kept up with running much that week so i feel you gotcha right, isaac wants to know and this is an interesting question what ways do you think disc golf is like other sports and what ways do you think it is completely different and he would like us to exclude ball golf i'm not i'm not interested no, okay <laughs> um okay so one of the things that was difficult for me when getting into disc golf and golf was the sports that I played growing up were uh, soccer primarily. That was, that was the one I was best at that I cared the most about and that I played for the longest. Uh, but I played basketball, a little bit of baseball and ran track and field and soccer and basketball are largely reactionary. So when you're, when you're getting ready to, do something in soccer you can, you can plan ahead a little bit, but it's not like you have 30 seconds to think about it. It's not like you have a minute to think mm -hmm. about it. It's just, you go with the flow of the play and you improvise, you make things happen quickly. Disc golf is not that. So in disc golf, you throw a shot and then you'll wait, I don't know, three or four minutes before you throw your next one and controlling your mind in that setting is difficult. Um, the, the, that's, that's why we talk about how, how important the mental game is in disc golf. It's not just something that you, that you walk up and have, this is something that you have to train and, and actively think about. Um, so that for me is probably the biggest difference. Both of them have like all sports have athletic movements that you can train and get used to, but preparing your mind for this few seconds of execution and then letting everything else go until you get to your next few seconds of execution. I think that's the hardest part. Yeah. I think the only real translation I've seen when it comes to distance and different things that have actually impacted uh, are notably hockey players have, hmm. have had from what I've seen. And I, I use two examples at, uh, to that uh, Emerson Keith, was a pretty high level hockey player before he decided to dive into disc golf full time. And he throws the disc really far yeah. and he throw for his, for his size, he throws the disc exceptionally far. Alex Geisinger uh, being the other one, which many people might not know of him was a elite level hockey player in the Minnesota area. And through the disc, he, he was invited out to uh, attempt to break world records with David Wiggins, Simon Lazat. So that like elite level distance. Mm -hmm. And it, it was just the timing of the, the quick fire in the hips and in the core and everything that you could see that they're just that much more explosive, that much more. Um, so I think that hockey has a really good translation over to the disc golf throwing motion. Now okay. hockey is very reactionary as well, but, shooting a puck has a, a pretty that you're using a lot more similar muscles, I believe. Um, and I would, there would need to be more science done on it, but <coughs> that is my thought process. I think that's probably the sport that connects a lot uh, to it. I think baseball does too, but 
in hockey, you're kind of moving your feet into a puck where baseball, you're standing still into, into a hit. So uh, I think that that's why hockey translates a little bit better. If we're talking sports that uh, do connect outside of golf. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right, let's see. Let's uh, let's go back to the Google question. This one. Oh, this one kind of goes with the weight. Uh, David wants to know how much does weight matter for practice putters? So I guess I'm, well, I'm assuming practice putters versus when you're actually going to play in a tournament. Does it matter if the weight's that much difference? I mean, I wouldn't if I was putting with 175 putters, I wouldn't make my entire stack of practice putters 170. But yeah. if if you have a if you have a few thrown in there, and they're all weights 170 to 75 or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's a problem whatsoever. Well, Robert talk about uh, the KCA VR that you used to, that you have. Oh yeah. And I still, I still have it. It's, it's in the bag right now. Yeah. I, and, and I will never be able to, Hey Tina, <laughs> and I will never be able to uh, replicate a, a stack of those practice putters, which, yeah. Anyway, so this particular KC Pro AVR I got in like 2010, I believe, um, used it as my main putter for, uh, I mean, I guess all of three years before I switched over to dynamic discs. Uh, and I bought it at 175. KC Pros have a big beat on the bottom. And um, it's, it's currently 168 with no beat at all just super beat up, extremely understated. Like if you throw this, I mean, it's an instant roller, uh, but it's a great, great jump putter. And mm-hmm. that's what it's awesome for. So that's what I use it for. Do yeah. I put it in the stack of my practice putters for when I'm trying to get better? Absolutely not. Yeah. It's, it's for one thing and it's jump putts or like, or super Anheuser putts. Yep. Get them, get them close, but it doesn't necessarily matter. I think the, the, the mold itself is probably more important than the weight. Yeah. In most putters you're going to find, you're not going to have, oh, I got this stat. I got these five that are 175 and I got these six that are 168. Putters generally aren't that far off in weight. And sometimes you will find that. And if you're really trying to get good practice and keep them close together. For sure. All right, we're going to pull up a speak pipe question. This is from Shay Stevens. It's not playing. Hold on, hold on. Play, play. It literally worked. Oh, this is so reminiscent of just <laughs> how things go. One more time. What's up, Disc Golf Answer Man crew? This is Shay from Philly with a question for Mr. Oakley. I see a lot of touring pros like to winter in the warmer states and can't really blame them for that. I see California, Arizona, and Florida are popular choices. So as someone who now lives in Florida, I was curious, what do you guys do down there? Is there like some off-season tour we're not aware of? Is it all just a bunch of disc golfers getting together to train? Do you guys have like winter jobs to help sustain your efforts to get you back on tour? So as a player, I was hoping you could shed some insight on what you guys do when you migrate down south for the winter. Uh, thanks for the info. As always, keep it real. Awesome. Well, a big re- a big draw factor for Florida for me was I can play disc golf every single day that I'm here. And I can, which is good. So I can take days off. I'm not forced days off by inclement weather or too cold. And generally the temperatures that I have while I'm here, I can keep like, it's not, 
it's not going to be anything extreme. Like there, if somebody says like, yeah, we play disc golf all the time in X state where it's, you know, gets to 30 below zero. It's like, you're playing a different sport if you're playing in the snow and in that kind of weather, it is not disc golf. I'm sorry. It is snow disc golf. It's like, it's just not the same. And I, I might be offending somebody by saying that, but it's, I'm keeping it real. It's not the same sport and you're not actually <laughs> wow. getting better at doing that. But the send, reason send to all say, your hate mail to Eric.Oakley. That's fine. And yeah, I'm going to get a bunch <laughs> of Minnesotans, Michigan people and people from new England be like, yeah, you don't even know. We play all year. Uh, like, I know, I know you do, but you're playing a different sport. Um, yeah. It's just, it's just, the quality that you need to have to continue to stay at an elite level is you need to be able to, you know, go and play when you want to go and throw shots without, you know, bundling up and feeling the dis feel the dis doesn't feel weird in your hand. You're getting used to things. You're able to play. Uh, and there tends to be uh, at least a decent amount of events in most of these uh, Southern States throughout the winter. So if you want to get golf in, tournament golf in that is an option it's always there so that that is another reason to be here just to have the option um and i think that that's important to remember that you know you don't need to uh you know play every single weekend because we do that for so many weeks and so many months of the season that when it comes to the off season it's uh it's about getting good quality time in and allowing our bodies to recover, working out, uh, going to do stuff in the field and yeah, just working on it. It's, it's, uh, it's, that's why we're here. And that's, it's a big reason why Tina and I are here is just because I will be able to play every single day I want, even if it's raining a little bit, I can still go throw and it's totally fine. For sure. Um, so Travis in the chat said, what temperature is too cold? Um, and so I, I, I don't want to answer that for everybody. I mean, I've played in eight degree weather and I mean, it was, it was fun it, it, when the wind, it was in Kansas, obviously um, the wind wasn't blowing that day. So it honestly didn't feel that bad because we were bundled up and, and it was fine. But for, for these touring players, I mean, 99% of the tournaments they play are not going to be in inclement weather, at least not in cold. They may have to deal with rain and wind, um, but that's a different type of, inclement weather than snow is we've had um, two tournaments that i can recall where it's been cold vegas and jonesboro i remember jonesboro that year where it just out of nowhere started snowing like oh sick thanks yeah, nope. um but i mean most of the rest of the events on tour are they're never colder than 40 degrees most of them are going to be pretty ideal weather 50 mm-hmm. 60 70 and then obviously hotter uh, when we get into the summer but the spot on yep Excellent. All right. Uh, let's see. This is a good, another good thinker question. Here you go. You ready? You ready? You ready? A disc golf club city canceled their pro a tier that was three weeks away so that it could be on a disc golf pro tour silver series event in April. Locals are upset. Even some pros have commented on that matter. Question. What helps the community in the game of disc golf more bringing in top disc golfers or having mixture of local ish pros and locals? Can you make it a win-win for everyone knowing that you might not have the funds or personnel to support two pro A tiers five months apart? I'll answer this because I was signed up for said event. And mm-hmm. I, <laughs> uh, I personally think that it was the right call because 
what you're trying to do, and uh, from what I understand, the, the city of Tallahassee was actually very strict on COVID regulations. So that's a big thing. So this allows them to kind of plan an event with they don't have to think about anything COVID related and they can run the event full head of steam and make it work. One, that's, that's, that's topic one. And that's a huge factor that people don't overlook because when people speak out about this, they're forgetting about a lot of what goes into being a tournament director. I don't really know this, but from what I understand, and I know Dave Muntean, who is the TD, he's a good dude. He's not making a decision to try and screw over people. He's making a decision for the betterment of people and giving them the product that they want. So understand that Tallahassee Open, when it get, I think it got moved to April, I believe, or whenever it got moved to into the spring, is now going to be an even better event than it was going to be this November. So he's going to have all this extra time and build up to it. And what he's, what he's hoping to do with that is allow for the Tallahassee Open to potentially become a pro tour event. That brings so much more to the community. That brings so much more to the, the local scene. That brings a lot more money into, what, into disc golf that way. Running two A-tiers that are going to be, you know, the efforts are going to be split 50-50 means your staff and volunteers are going to be taxed even harder rather than giving them more time to make an, a bigger push. And then they'll have 12 months almost to, to run another event. That's huge. So I know people are feeling bad about it and people aren't happy about it, but if you look at it from the other side, this is a fantastic decision. And this is actually going to elevate disc golf in this area. That's a big thing. And that's, and that cannot be overseen because go ahead, run an ace year every year. But if you run a pro tour, like a pro tour, not, not, this is a silver series, but if it becomes a pro tour, that is a status that is going to uh, elevate a course and a club and everybody involved in that area to be something more special. That's going to, uh, you're going to, you're going to be able to watch every round on Jomas, every round on CCTG and Gatekeeper and GK pro and disc golf network. And, and the list goes on. That's what's, that's what's important about this move. And I don't think people are actually thinking about that because they're only thinking selfishly, which is fine. They can do that. And I get that they were frustrated that your A tier was canceled. You'll be fine. There's a tournament in UWF, I'm pretty sure. And there's probably about, you know, 10 other tournaments that are within five hours of you as well, if not one or two. So, well, I feel like this is, this is a big growing pains. As yep. the, as the sport grows big, it gets bigger and bigger. You're going to see this type of separation that um, you know some other bigger sports don't don't have this. They don't feel this. Um, I don't think, at least. I mean, the closest thing I can think of is just golf. In that, you know, there are they. We've just known golf to have these big, big events, and I don't know that you hear uh, local uh, tournaments or events complaining about the big big golf events like they do now and i'm not saying you're not i guess i shouldn't say you were complaining but you brought up the whole point of things are getting canceled to make way for the bigger stuff and i feel like that's that's going to cause some a little bit of friction but i think it it's just an inevitability with the sport as it grows and becomes more popular right and i mean i know that dynamic discs has a a bit of a different 
take on this, but look at the glass blown open in Emporia. I mean, Emporia has had, you know, Jones East and West for years and years and years. They started the glass blown open quite a while ago and it just grew and grew and grew until it became a, uh, a national tour. Right. And so that elevated it even more. And so then the city of Emporia benefited greatly from that. I mean, if you've been to the glass blown opener, now the dynamic disc is open, you know that. Um, and so I'm with Eric on this one. I think uh, long-term, this is probably a better play. All right. So let's see. Next one comes from, Oh, this is Joe. Oh, this is kind of, Oh, kind of a question oh, for oh, me. Oh. A little question for Bobby Brown. So Joe says, does, does it have stuff to do with technical expertise? Cause I'll, I'll, I'll be fielding those questions. You'll be fielding those questions from now on. Uh-huh. I'm very, I'm, I'm good at media. Thank you. Okay. Let's see what you, th- well, let's, wait, let's okay. see what you have to say. Is there a media guy now, dude? The, the media yeah, guy. That's me. I'm the, I'm the media guy. Oh, uh, Robert McCall, media team. So sick. Yeah. Yeah. Let me hear it real quick. Uh, what has been the biggest struggle you have faced running your own podcast? Yeah. Thank you for asking. Um, it's mostly dealing with these other two fellows <laughs> because if it was just me, I mean, we'd have the best information. We'd have the best hair. I'm just kidding. Go, go ahead, Bobby. It's, it's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> um, actually, it was pretty pretty spot on, just kind of a little, yeah. bit, a little bit different role reverse. But uh, <laughs> I think the biggest struggle that has been uh, with getting this podcast, uh, my own podcast. Well, it's interesting, though, interesting, though, because um, it was my own podcast at the very beginning. In 2014, um, I was getting started in disc golf media and podcasting was kind of a brand new thing. And there was maybe two or three podcasts out there. And I thought I could do this. And I had been doing a podcast for the CEO at a credit union that uh, I were an internal podcast. So that kind of gave me some uh, uh, on the job training for it or, le- or learning how to do it. And then I was doing a podcast with my uh, then wife living the RV life because we were going to live full time in an RV and I was going to travel for disc golf and do disc golf media. Um so anyway, I'd reach out to Eric McCabe and said, hey, be cool if you could be the pro on the show and everything, you would answer questions. And so we did it and we did it for quite a few years. And then, of course, when I got hired with Dynamic Discs, the show kind of became part of their show. So but it was always my show uh, in a sense that I, it was the idea came to do the podcast and I do the technical work, the editing and stuff like that. So um, the biggest challenge struggle right now is regrowing it. We had gotten it to where it was getting tens of thousands of downloads with dynamic discs per month, like lots of downloads. And so when I left dynamic discs, I got to keep the name, but I didn't get to keep the feed, which I understand because it grew exponentially when I got with dynamic discs. So now I have, I'm having to regrow the audience. And so um, when I'm looking at it, I'm excited over the numbers. Like right now, we've had, it's been out for a month and we have 8,000 plays already, which is really, really great. Right. Awesome. But, but it's not nearly what it used to be back in the day. So I but I have to kind of not get ahead of myself and realize that we just kind of have to grow the audience and the people will come. So that's really been the biggest struggle I face is 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 the rebuilding of it. There is, of course, the technical things. Of course, you just saw with the uh, the uh, speak, pipe. speak pipe. What are you pointing at? Um, I have a question. Oh. I have a statement. Oh, okay. So let me okay, So with the speak pipe, the technical things are always an issue. And then uh, two two episodes ago, my camera was working just fine, and then all of a sudden, it decided not to work. And then the battery ran out when it was supposed to be a full, when I, when I thought it was a full battery on the camera. And so anyway, so the technical stuff is a big struggle too. What's your question in the back, sir? You in the black shirt? Hey, me. Oh, thank you. Uh, so 
idea if everybody who listened to it and downloaded it, if they went and told three friends and then all of those friends told three more friends, like, I mean, think about how many views we'd have then. I know. I think it's so, great. So I'm just saying, no, like, if you, what, I think we should try this, 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 uh, this idea out. So I think if, they, I don't if think anyone's ever friends. thought of that. No, <laughs> ever. Should we, should we write it, write it, make a book, write a book or. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not a, it's not a it's pyramid. Not a, it's not a scheme. Anyway. Really. It's just draw, just draw the pyramid. Anyway. I have to go make a call. Actually, if you do enjoy the show, if you do li- enjoy listening or watching, that would be the biggest way to say thank you is to share it on your and your social media feed because that's yes. one way that we're growing it is, of course, by word of mouth. So if you could share this on your feed and tell people about it, I've had people do that already on Instagram, and I think it's awesome, and I appreciate it. All right, let's go back to the Disc Golf uh, page, the Disc Golf Answer Man page, and see if we can grab another question. Do, 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 do. Here we go. This person wants to know, is it better for ratings to be on an open course with wind or a wooded course with tight lines? Open. Hmm. Really? Why? Open. 100%. Open more distance will create better ratings. Waco is a prime example. Okay. Waco is a prime example because what we've seen players do out at, uh, at the Beast, because there are par fives that play score as a par five, but now are called par are par fours because of, because of ratings or whatever they play as par fives, but they're only 500 feet. That is never for whatever reason in Chuck Kennedy's system will never work. It's not, you can't take into the, to account that the gap itself is 12 feet wide for 280 feet of 500 feet. Which is, think about that for a second. Keeping a disc straight through a gap that's 12 feet and it's elevation and there's like, oh, and if you kick off to the trees, it's death. There are a lot of factors that go into throwing that shot. So that to me is like, and then you look at a course like Fountain Hills where Paul shoots the highest rated round ever. That course is not hard. It's not. The only thing that's hard about it is the OB. And it rated way better than rounds that we've seen on these hardwooded courses. Like Paul's round at Maple Hill a long time ago that's talked about as one of the best rounds ever. Rating-wise, was rated worse than Paul's good round at Fountain Hills. And I guarantee you, if you ask Paul, he played better at Maple Hill than he did at Fountain Hills. So that's why open distance and wind will beat out woods tight woods all all the time when it comes to ratings because of distance factor mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it, when you're in the open and dealing with the wind it, if there are top tier players there they benefit from it the most because they can adjust for 15 mile an hour winds especially at a, at a place like fountain hills mm-hmm. uh where you where you can birdie i mean everything out there every old um and since it's a big tournament, the Memorial will always get, you know, some lower rated players who are going to struggle that day. You know, a, a 980 rated guy may go out and shoot a few over. Um, but every top pro is, I mean, they're double digits under or they're pissed. Mm-hmm. So, you're, yeah, it's just uh, the woods, even the playing field quite a bit more just because of the potential for bad kicks and all that. So you're 100 percent right. Um we, we saw that at country club. Uh, I played, I played an event at country club a while ago and played like pretty well, but not 
uh, it, it rated like 1030 something, two back to back 1030 rated rounds. And oh. they weren't. They, yeah. they were not like they were good. They were probably 10, 15 or something, but it was the easiest 10 thirties of my life. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm with you. There you go. All right. We got two questions from the Facebook group that were kind of sort of similar. Maybe uh, I'll read both. We can kind of answer them together because Cole wants to know, how do you get yourself back in control during a bad round? I'm trying to, I'm, I try my best to observe nature, breathe and focus on controlling what I can control. Any tips to prevent blow up holes that ruin your rounds? And then Cyrus asks, what are your best tips for disc golf burnout? I went through it last summer. So maybe we can talk mm. about kind of, kind of, kind of goes along with the mental mindset of playing the game. Well, but, but I think they're separate though, because the well, one you're off the, the one, show. So the will kick, kick me off. Right. Hey, can we go back to the, can we go back to the question earlier? The hardest part of the show. Yeah, right. yeah, I'm, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, I, I, I'd like Eric to talk about burnout because he plays a lot more disc golf, uh, than I do like by exponential. Amount. Um, okay. So, but during a disc golf round, when you're having a bad round, I think the thing that's helped me the most is a shift in mindset from there is not such a thing as I'm playing, like I'm playing bad today. Mm -hmm. People say that all the time. You may be throwing the disc poorly, but the last shot that you threw has zero bearing on the next shot that you're going to throw. hundred percent. If you, yeah, you could have just started the day five over through the first four. You bogey three of them and double one of them and you're five over through four. When you step on to the fifth tee, physically, nothing has changed for you. The only thing that's changed is what, whatever is in your mind. And so physically you are able to play the course just as well as you were before you just had a rough start. So what people get caught up on a lot is they have one bad hole and then be like, well, I ruined my round. Well, yeah. If you think that you're, you're exactly right. Um, or, or I'm just not playing well today. Well, th that's not true. Your last shot has no bearing on your next shot. So I think the, the thing that was the mental shift that helped me the most, and this was when I was really trying to get from 980 rated to a thousand rated was I started taking mental games seriously. And the, once I let a shot go, I would watch where it finished, but I wouldn't think about it again until I got to the shot. Mm -hmm. So if it looked like it went into the woods, I watch because I need to know where the disc landed, but I don't walk up thinking, Oh man, what about, what if I don't have a look or uh, what if, what if I have to take a bogey? Mm -hmm. It just doesn't help you. It doesn't help you at all. Or even probably the opposite of that is when you throw a great drive and you think you're parked and you walk up carefree to a basket and it's 40 feet out. Now that feels like, oh, this is impossible. I, I threw the best shot I could and it's 40 feet out. So people make a, a huge deal thinking too much in between shots. Even if you do execute, you're exhausted by the end of the round. So once you let a shot go, let it go. Think about something else. And the next shot is a new shot. This is a one shot round. You are here to execute this one shot. And once you've let it go, you move on to the next one and you execute one shot. That's that's the biggest mental yeah. change that that helped me climb in rating so a little bit. No, that's that's spot on what of what needs to happen. And I mean Joe Padilla is in the chat saying he thinks that shanking a drive on four affects his next shot on five. For you, yes, Joe, that might happen. But here's the thing. 
you can throw a bad shot, but you yourself, when you step up to the hole, the T of five, you have thrown a shot or the shot that hole five is asking mm-hmm. you to do. You've done this before. Hole four, yes, it happened recently, but it, you just need to focus in more. It's not going to affect hole five unless you let it. That's where you have to be where you're at mentally. It's, it's, the, it's, it's, that, it's that level of getting yourself to the point where you're believing you can, even when it feels like it's spiraling out of control. I can look at multiple tournaments this year or, and in the past where I started the, my best finish at Worlds, tied for 10. I started that tournament three over par through three holes. Bokey, bokey, bokey. Did I let that determine that I was having a round? No, I turned that into a good round. Um, uh, Ledstone this year started, I think, five over par through the first three holes. Both both of these rounds happen at Lake Eureka, so I just need to figure out hole ones, two, and three. Yeah, I guess what so. we're figuring out. I, I'm internally figuring this out. I still found a way to climb back and get into the cash. Same thing happened. I played the worst round opening day at Worlds this year. Worst round. I think it was the worst round in April. It was the worst round in April. I'm 100% it was. And I still found a way to get back into the cut. And in that round that I was playing poorly, I threw a lot of really good shots. So that round could have been very, it could have been way worse. So that's the level of what we need to get to. Now to, to understand that when you're playing these bad rounds, how it can lead to burnout and to answer the second question, this is, this is a part of, it's, it's understanding what you're trying to get out of disc golf. Are you trying to get out of disc golf to be, uh, to become an elite level, level player? And if that's the case, then you need to be smart about choosing, uh, choosing your rest days, finding days to get your days off and take your mind off of disc golf. Have some outlets that take your mind. I play video games. It is one of the best things I've done and it makes me hungry for disc golf every time I step on the course because for the longest time, I had the energy to play disc golf, get done, watch disc golf, go play probably more disc golf and then, and then the next day do the same thing over and over again where I was doing so much, everything was disc golf. I could just absorb it. And then it got to the point where I needed something else because I did not have the mental energy and the, uh, to, 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 to be there for disc golf. So find an outlet that's good for you. That allows for you to not think about disc golf when you need a break, you'll recognize when you need a break. It's really easy to, to feel that out because it's going to happen. You're going to be very irritable about everything you do during a casual round, but that's fine. And that's okay. You just know that you need to give yourself a day or two and, and rebuild that hunger for disc golf. And that's how you kind of can alleviate burnout. And if you need to take three or four days, take, yes, just take three or four days. Don't watch any YouTube videos. Don't touch your putters and then come back. And then you're going to have one clean rip on a disc or one sick putt from circle two. And you're going to be, that hunger is going to be and that fire is going to be lit and you're going to be ready to go uh, again, but you need to recognize that. And being a touring player, it's just about, understanding the flows of the season and if you need to take a day off even if it means sure. a less practice day take a day off and that, yeah, yeah. No, another thing is to recognize it that that top top people go through very similar stuff you know you don't put to, yep. so much pressure on yourself because um like eric said get away from social media get away from disc golf don't touch your stuff because you don't want the pressure of watching other people uh uh 
doing disc golf thinking, oh my gosh, they're doing it. I should be doing it. No, it's okay to step away. Everybody goes through burnout or everybody goes through these moments where they need time away and that's okay. That's actually part of the process is refreshing and resetting yourself. Yeah. Um, Bobby, I promise no longer than 90 seconds, but I have an addendum to what we had before. Uh Oh, so just talking about the, um, the mental, the mental side of things. So I know that, um, in the chat, a couple of people have said, um, they have the opposite problem as well, where they'll start around birdie, 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 you know, they're, they're six under through six and someone will say to them, Hey, you've birdied everything. And it just, it throws them. That for me is harder to deal with than the opposite where I've, where I've started with bogeys. Um, but it's the, it's the same process just because I've birdied six doesn't, that doesn't have any bearing on, on my next shots. Like you, you can get excited for yourself, right. but don't get yourself so pumped up that now you have new expectations. Right. If you've never shot better than four under on that course. And now all of a sudden you're six under, you're like, Oh my goodness, I could just, I'm going to birdie everything. I'm going to shoot 12. And that's how you shoot one under or one over. And so tempering your expectations and trying to stay even keel on the course Focus on that one shot and stay even keel. I think that's the key. Uh, but then one one other super quick tip is when you are throwing bad shots, um, don't acknowledge them as bad out loud. I like to I like to say um, that I acknowledge what happened during the shot without judging. So acknowledgement without judgment. So if I throw a, a shot that was awful, it kicked kicked first available. I'll say, man, that was just, that was a late release, you know, or, uh, come up 80 feet short on a, on a shot that I should always get close. So I'll be like, ah, uh, just a little bit low acknowledgement without judgment means that you are allowing your mind to accept what happened without placing a value judgment on it. And that's huge for the mental side of this golf. So anyway, there it is. That was good. I like that. All right. This is a follow-up of a question we had last week. This is a hot take from Craig. He says, I'm listening to an episode as we speak and you are discussing the question, do beat-in discs have more glide? The answer is yes, because glide and stability are intimately related. They are the same. You cannot have an overstable disc that has the same amount of glide as an understable disc of the same speed, of course. The river, for example, has so much glide because it is of its particular stability. A slightly overstable overstable river has less glide than a normal river. The Maverick has slightly less glide because it is slightly more stable. Glide is a useless flight number. Um, Emac would love this one. Actually, Emac would love if we said all numbers are useless. No, you can say <laughs> that you can say that dome affects glide, and I say it's because it affects stability. See, I disagree. Boom uh, in your because- face. I think part of that is right. Understable discs are by nature more glidey. They have more glide than overstable discs. But when you're talking about the dome on a disc, generally more domey distance drivers are the more overstable ones. And it's hard for me to say that a flat distance driver has more glide than a domey distance driver and the domey ones are generally more overstable. So I'm with you part of the way that stability and um, glide are, uh, I guess, inexorably tied together, but it's, I can't be on fully on board with everything that you're saying, especially when it comes to disc shape and dome. Eric, what do you think? 
he's talking. We can't hear you. Can't hear you, Eric. Huh. No, uh, the best distance drivers we've thrown have had dome. So, and I think that's like a flat disc doesn't go as far. It has a different flight that can be useful in its mm-hmm. own way. I've thrown flat understable stuff and it's different, but I think there's a little, and again, I feel like if we were to just take a disc and have a machine that didn't eject it forward, but then just spun it and it would hover in the air, a disc that is more domey would probably stay in the air longer than a flatter disc because of that fact. And that would be the glide. And I, 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 this is just a hypothesis, not a, I'm speaking as a statement of fact, that's just, it just makes the most sense to me. And it's honestly what I've seen in throwing discs. I've taken a flat Raider and thrown it and it just doesn't feel like it has that extra bit once it hits that crest and pushes forward uh, I, or, or any other disc that I've thrown. I threw, when I threw PD2s back in the day, it was the same concept. I didn't throw flat PD2s for distance. I threw them for overstability because they didn't have as much glide. And then I beat up uh, uh, Domi ones and that, those were the ones that I saw this like extra go from. So yep. That's that. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I'm still off. I'm still with you, Robert. I, I don't think that they have more collide. I just think that they just fly differently. I don't know. It, it's weird. All right. All right. So this one's going to, going to kind of go along with the topic we were going to talk about is that, and that is, this is the time of year where we start hearing about uh, player negotiations with companies, uh, people uh, re-upping on their negotiations, uh, extensions, changing spot uh, sponsors um this came came from sam he says with it being the end of the year and an increasing topic of conversation what's the deal with player contracts and sponsorships without going into numbers or contract breaking details what are the expectations and requirements companies have for players and what should players expect in return from the companies they resent um, that's such a that's I don't, a really broad question there's that's what i was looking for it's very broad there's so much it depends on the player. There's so much as far as social media. There's stuff as far as play. There's stuff as far as how you represent think, the company. Think about, think about uh, just a couple players like right off the bat, like uh, Calvin Heimberg. Awesome, fantastic player. His 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 contract's going to be more structured towards play. It's yeah. not going to be toward, structured towards social media or media at, at all. And a player like myself, it's going to be much more structured towards media and social media and a little bit on play. Because they, those are those go hand in hand, but I do more on the media side because that's where I've grown into and running events. Calvin doesn't, and that's fine. So, what what companies are asking for, and what and it's just so individual based. There is no cookie cutter contract, and there shouldn't be a cookie cutter contract for any player. It should be based on what you guys, what you and the company you're working with can work out. And I think that's the most important thing that needs to be remembered for both player and for company. Uh, it's, it's this huge thing that you need to find a way to get the most out of the player you're putting into as a company. So how do you do that? How do you go about that? You work with them, you find out what they want to do, and then you work to structure their contract accordingly. And you know, if you as a company believe that if we put our name, if put that person's name behind some products and do this kinds of stuff, cool. They're, they're going to sell based on 
based on their performances or their social media activity or their this or their that. So that's why you start to work those things in and that starts to factor into what you pay. And yep. you as a player need to understand your skill set. So you can go to a company and say, I have this many followers. I do this. I play like this. And that's when you say, this is what I think I'm worth. So it becomes a lot of that. But again, I'm so thankful that I have DGPM. That's where I don't have to think about that as much anymore. And we can work together and I can tell him my wants, needs, hopefuls and everything. And we can go fight for it that way. But yeah. Yeah. So that's what I yeah. think is a big part about contracts. If that's, you want to learn, if you want to learn more about what goes into it, I actually have scheduled tomorrow a conversation with scans. People call them scans. Um, the guy that's uh, heading up the disc golf player group player, the thing, <laughs> disc golf player disc management. Golf player group, management. Yeah. Um, have a conversation with him where I'm going to ask him some of those questions. What it, what is, what, do, what do companies look for? What do up and coming uh, players, what, what do they need to be working on and, and to be able to have the big contracts with, uh, these manufacturers. So it'll be an interesting conversation tomorrow. I'm going to record it tomorrow, probably edit it together and have it out in the next couple of days. Um, um, let me, let me make a quick note before you move on. Uh, so for people who are looking to be sponsored though, and you, you said all contracts are different. Um, a lot of people will ask how to be sponsored and say, well, if I could just get sponsored, then I would be able to go play all these events or then I could really get my rating up and you have it backwards as a player. You need to be able to go to a company and show what you have done, right? You need to have a body of work before you can be sponsored. Right. Um, right. If, if I were to go to uh, name whatever company, Innova, uh, on a player contract and say, look what I've done, I don't have the credentials to do that, right? I mean, I haven't played many events. I don't have a very high rating right now. That, that would be a waste. Um, a lot of people think like, hey, I'm 980 right now, but look, if you'll just sponsor me and pay for me to get to events and I could get to a thousand. No, no, no you need to have a mutually beneficial uh, arrangement, not one side just benefits the other. You need to show what you've done that will help elevate the company. And then if it in turn helps to elevate you, that's good. That's a great relationship, but don't expect them to take you from day one and just say, oh yeah, we we believe that you'll do it. No, you need to have done it to yeah. be ready to go. Yeah, 100%. Good point. So right now in the Ulti world, uh, what do they call it? They call it the Disc Golf Player Sponsorship Tracker. Right now we only have two people. Of course, it's very early in negotiations. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have, of course, Kristen Tatar. Congratulations, her. Very well-deserved. Uh, Four-year, $500,000 contract through 2025. Well, well-earned. Oh, she's just fantastic. I cannot she's wait till she being. can come to the U.S. and play more because she's going to be, you're going to hear her name a lot when it comes to the female side of things. Yeah. I, I can't wait to see her shake that up. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah. we, we had some, we had more parody this year in, in FPO than we have in a lot of years, but man, while Kristen was over here, she, she hurt some feelings. Yeah. She's a darn good player. So she was I'm, hungry, I'm ex- man. yeah, I'm excited to see her over here some more. Yeah. That'd be yep. great. And then the other one is Drew Gibson with the announcement of his extension and business contract with infinite discs. 
Um, if you want to well, learn well more, earned. well earned as well. But if you want to learn more details about that and you haven't listened yet, go back, listen to a conversation with Drew Gibson where we talk about his uh, outlook on life. We talk about more details about, well, as much as he could share the details of how this uh, works out as far as being sponsored by Infinite Discs and some of the plans he has for his brand and his new line of discs. But yeah, that's interesting because I thought it was weird how it was a, a lifetime contract, but it he, the way he explained it was it was more on the brand side of things, which makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's something do you think now we were talking right before we started recording the show that there are quite a few big top names that are like in the middle of contracts. But do we know of anybody that's this is the last year they're with somebody that we have any speculation to think that they right. might be moving on? <laughs> Man, I was looking through the list. Um, just I just went to pdj.com and sorted by rating. Um, I mean, it takes a while for you to get to someone who's like, all right, this this person is is poised to move. Um, I mean, you know, Heim, uh, Calvin Heimberg has looked around some in the past, or at least we've you know we've had rumors of that. Uh, he's acknowledged some of that, and, and maybe it's more than we know. I don't really know. Um, Chris Dickerson, I think, could be in that boat as well, but. I, at this point, I think both those guys are staying put. Um, they didn't have, you know, I guess banner years for themselves this year, but pretty darn good years. And they're rated 1048 and 1045. So I don't think they're going anywhere. And I, I mean, I skipped over Rick Eagle and Paul. They're definitely not going anywhere. Um, but I mean, it takes a while for you to get to someone who I, who I think could move. Um, I mean, the first, the first one on the list that, that pops out that who's, I'd say whose stock is high is Isaac Robinson, 1034 rated out of, uh, Georgia. I believe he's a prodigy sponsored player right now, mostly local stuff. Was he Um, prodigy? I'm pretty sure he was with MVP the year. Or maybe MVP that, that may be right. You you may be right. You may be right. Um, but I mean, he's, I, he's got high stock right now. Um, Dallin Blanchard is in the same boat, a little bit more of a local guy. If he wanted to get out on the road, I'm sure he could. Uh, I've, I think we talked about him before. I think he's with Innova right now. Um, oh, no, he signed a he signed a deal. Isaac Robinson is with Prodigy. Okay, sweet. And a switch from MVP for Isaac. That was less. This, he he was go. on MVP in 2019 or right. 2020, 2021. Right. He, he went with Prodigy. Yeah, so I mean, he probably his brother. <laughs> Yeah, he probably sticks around at this point because I mean he's rated ten thirty four, so he's doing well. But I mean, I think I think you've got to get to the second page before you even look at people who would be looking to move. You know, Mason Ford, great year this year. Uh, I think he's he's probably an end of a lifer just from what I've seen, but a smooth thrower and a guy who's on the up and up. Well, Um, you got to think about the players that are on that had banger years like like a Mason Ford, like Andrew Marweed, a Kyle Klein being that they've outgrown where they are. Right. As in, in Gavin Rathman comes to mind as well, that they've outgrown where they are as uh, players in their company. Now, sure. I guarantee their company is like, awesome. Let's do this. And let's work this out because they should do that because they see the value in that and the value in their performances. So that's likely where they stay, but it also leads to the open doors of another company being able to Mm -hmm. offer the same, if not more. And if it's on the point of now it comes down to the player wanting to make a change, do something new, go somewhere else, be a, be a, be a big name at another company or 
stay where they're at because they, because of that comfort level, like Mason Ford, he's, I feel like, I mean, uh, as a person who's learned from Bradley Williams, he's so dialed with his bag and his form and everything that it's um, not something he's maybe looking to do. So, right. but, but at the same time, who knows, they might want a change and they could change up in a, in a really big way. I think this is going to, we're going to have some really good conversations about more of these players soon. For sure. And like, like you said, I think the, the ones that kind of fly under the radar are people who are right there knocking on the door to be the best player at their company, but they're never going to get there. Like yeah. Case in case in point, not, not that they're never going to get there, but they're not there right now. And it doesn't look like they're moving there very quickly. Case yeah. in point is James Conrad, right? Yeah. James, I mean, Ricky is in of us top dog, no doubt about it. And he should be, he's right now, he's the highest rated player in the world and arguably the best player in the world right this second today. Um, James is a, a top tier player, but he wasn't, he's not, he's not what Ricky is right now. And mm-hmm. so if you're thinking that way, then you look at like, a, you know, an Adam Hammes, like, I don't think Adam's going anywhere, but his stock is high. He had a huge year this year. He and did. if he wanted to move, he could truly get paid for it. Um, and then same, like you said, for Andrew Marweed, I think his stock is high right now. Great, great year. Got his name out there. Um, yeah. And then there's youngsters. I mean, I, I saw some people in the chat say uh, Cole Rodallin. I don't think he's going anywhere, but I do think he, we will see him on some yeah. lead cards and making splashes next year. And same for, yeah, Connor, Connor O'Reilly. I think he probably sticks around as well. Um, but like uh, another example, Andrew Presno. Mm-hmm. Andrew is a sick player. He's so good. Yes. He's one of those guys. Like we were talking about Chandler Fry before the show started. Yeah. Andrew falls into that category for me, where if Andrew's playing well, you're just, you are not going to beat him. You're I, just I, will not. Say, I will say this about Andrew and I, I hope he sees this or hears this because I mean this in the most endearing and most compliment like way. Andrew's game is not pretty it's it's just effective it's so effective because you you will play with andrew and not realize that he's beating you by five Mm -hmm. because it's quiet it's cool it's confident it's it's it's, he just does the same things he does it so well he doesn't do anything flashy but he does have the skill set when he needs to execute an elite level shot he does it and that's so so i'm like Mm -hmm. i'm not trying to take away from anything he does he's uh, an absolute stellar golfer but there are times where I'm like, I don't understand how you beat me by six. And he does. And it, I was yeah, like, he does I, it. that round did not look like you played to a 1060 level, but he does it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that, that's a special, special quality to have to be, to, to not look that good and shoot 1060. Yeah. He's, he's nasty. He's a good he's player. Very good. One more in the chat. Chaser said, I'm looking at Kyle Klein. Will this mania take care of him? He'll always be an Eagle and Simon shadows. Uh, I would be, pretty shocked if Kyle leaves Discmania. Um, they, they have a track record of getting their top dogs and holding on to them. Uh, and they've, they've got two of the best in the game and Kyle is, his stock is so high right now. If he like, if he jumps ship, he could get paid anywhere, but I, I think he's staying and I think he'll get paid for it. Well, and look at, look at, you know, Simon, you know, with the travel constraints, wasn't able to play as much this year with the, mm-hmm. the injury stuff. Wasn't able to play this much this year and Dismania didn't lose out because they had Eagle and Kyle. So yep. it, it, think about if you go from a big two to a big three, the type of type of thing you're able to do 
uh, it would be very good in Dismania's eyes. And, you know, they had Gavin Rathbun, who also was playing well until up mm-hmm. until his injury. So Dismania, you know, by taking taking interest in a lot of these um, players that were under the radar, invested in them, gave them opportunities, look what was able to happen. Yep. It's pretty great. So that that's, I think, one of the biggest things that companies need to to, to recognize is that you invest in your players, you push them out there, you, you give them opportunity. It opens the door for the possibility for them to go to that next level. It's yep. not, it's not all about, you know, you know, go win and then we'll pay you. It's like, well, if you make things easier for the players, they have, they have a better opportunity to win. You know, I think that's, I think that that makes sense and is pretty much a, should be a given for most companies. Yep. Nice. So yeah, a lot of things are going to be happening. I'm sure a lot more things will be shaken, shaken up a little bit as we get into the month of November. And uh, we'll talk about that on future shows. Well, guys, that's all the time. I love Roster Mania, by the way. Oh, I yeah? love Roster Mania. I'm about yeah. it. I love it. Nice. So that's all the time we have for this particular episode. Before, before I let you go, I forgot to mention during the show, um, we have Disc Golf Answer Man Whale Sacks. Go to discgolfanswerman.com. Pick yourself up a DeGam Whale Sack. Thank you again to Eric and Tina for supplying those for me to get things started. Um, you also see on there right now, you can order a Cool Daddy Slick Breeze shirt or a Disc Golf Answer Man shirt so you can represent represent CDSB or the Disc Golf Answer Man show. And then I just got a stock about about 100 trilogy discs. I got harps. Wardens, judges, Emac judges, verdicts, and there's one other thing I got. I can't remember, but I got a lot of those discs. I did inventory today. I'm going to list them on the website uh, here shortly. She'll be able to buy some Disc Golf Anchorman stamped discs and help keep the show going. Help me pay for some of the little technology things that we got going for the show. So to keep the show mm-hmm. going and rocking and rolling, I appreciate that from you guys yeah, tell as about, always tell them about patreon as well bobby yep patreon we got a patreon patreon.com slash dgam thank you to uh i don't let's give a big shout out to our patreon people right now um i saw we're up to eight yep we are up to let's eight go. and uh the one that really got me that i just all the time is they just always help people out and that's ava myers Ava, oh, awesome. Awesome. i know she is that little girl is Champion. amazing she uh did some awesome stuff while we were at the beach bash and she's just an all around awesome person. Why is it not letting me go to see? I'll do it on my app. The website's not letting me do it. So we're going to go to the app. We're going to give a shout out to our current Patreon members who is Ava Meyer, Remo, Rob Trotter, Stevie Z, Stan Moss, Shay Stevens, Jay Plemons, and Rob Gage. Thank you guys so much for your support of the show. Um, it's very, very helpful, uh, indeed to keep the show going again, paying for some of the technology parts of the show to keep it going. All right. Well, we've going to do a for, and speaking of our Patreon, we, I got a couple of uh, fun questions to ask, uh, Eric and Robert. So they're going to give me about five to 10 minutes to have a little bit of fun. And this is for our Patreon only listeners. I guess you can kind of consider this the after after show show. <laughs> I need to nice. make, Do you I, have that, that that music? I need to bring it back. Ah, oh, God, that is I I for one absolutely loved it. Okay. I thought it was after. after.
after jokes. <laughs> <laughs> we out here. Yeah, I need to figure wonderful. out if I can find that or make a new one. So Please. anyway, thank you guys so much for watching us. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, we'll see you on the next one.